Welcome to Reproductive Left, produced by WERU in collaboration with Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center, a feminist, client-centered, sexual and reproductive health care provider in Bangor, Maine. I'm your host, Abby Strope. On each show, we tackle a topic that impacts our sexual and reproductive health by inviting members of our community who work specifically on the subject. Reproductive Left covers a variety of issues, including, but certainly not limited to, reproductive rights, feminism, access to services, sexuality, gender, and relationships. To wrap up our show, we answer your sexual and reproductive health questions in our Ask Mabel segment. Be sure to stick around for it. Good afternoon, and thanks for listening. On today's show, I will be interviewing Lindsay Piper, women's health nurse practitioner. Lindsay has been working at Mabel Wadsworth Center for just over two years and provides a wide range of health services, including prenatal care, basic infertility treatment, hormone therapy for transgender individuals, and standard reproductive health services like birth control, STD testing, and annual exams. From this point forward, Lindsay will be joining nurse practitioner Terry Marley DeRozier to answer your sexual and reproductive health questions in our Ask Mabel segment. Each month, we will alternate who answers the questions. The goal of the interview today is to get to know Lindsay, as she will be answering your future questions. On the show, she will discuss her approach to providing health care, the importance of providing a full spectrum of reproductive health services, and why she decided to start providing services for transgender people. Please stick around to the end where Lindsay will answer questions in the Ask Mabel segment about what a transgender person can expect when coming to Mabel's for their first appointment regarding hormone therapy. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to Reproductive Left. Thank you for being on the show with me today. Thanks, Abby. It's a pleasure to be here. I would like you to first just talk about um, how you decided to work with women's in, in women's health care um, so that our listeners can kind of get to know you a little bit better today. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so when I, well, gosh, um, you know, I could go way back to when I was a kid and we'd have sleepovers and I would get out this uh, book called, um, I was going to say Our Bodies Ourselves, but that's not true. I didn't know about that book yet. I think it was something about growing older, and um, anyway, it was the book where we could talk to each other about periods and that kind of thing. And our our friends would come over to my sis, you know, to sleep over with my sister and I, and ask me all kinds of questions. So I'd, I'd take out my book and we'd look it up and we'd read about it together, and lots of giggling. But um, I I went to college to study uh, biology because um, I was thinking of going to medical school. Uh, I was pretty interested in. Um, the healthcare field, um, but then I became really politicized and realized that, um, at least for me at the time, you know, sitting in the lab and reading books um, about you know, microbiology it wasn't necessarily where it was at for me, um, and I uh, got into um, 
different activist activities on campus. I was a rape crisis advocate. Um, you know, I organized to take back the night. I went with a group to a, um, a pro-choice rally in Washington and was really involved in things like that. And I ended up um, getting a degree in women's studies and in sociology. Um, but a great class I took, um, somehow it popped out on the page to me, was uh, the sociology of women's health. Um and I loved that. It was um, about gender and race and class and how those play into health. And one of the requirements of the class was to um, have a, uh, an internship somewhere. <clears throat> so I found a place called the Feminist Health Center, and I was sold right away, of course. And um, so I uh, was a... Um, a birth control counselor and an abortion mm-hmm. counselor and HIV counselor. And, um, you know, I went once a week, but then after that semester, I asked them if I could have a job. And so I started working there uh, part-time while I completed my studies. And um, I saw what the uh, physicians there did. They, you know, would come up to do our abortion services. And more importantly, I saw what the nurse practitioners did. And I said, oh, well, I think that's what I want to be when I grow up. So it took me a little bit longer to get back to this. You know, I lived to, lived in Boston, and I rode my bike around, and I painted and pretended that I was an artist and sold art and you know, worked at a lot of different jobs. I slung coffee at a coffee shop for a while. and But here I am. I, I went back to school to become a women's health nurse practitioner um, pretty specifically. You know, I wanted to go back into working in sexual and reproductive health. Um, that is sort of why I ended up in healthcare. Found your way back to women's health and a feminist health center. That's right. Another feminist health center. Yeah. It was a long story, but anyway, I think I'm where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe your approach to providing care? Sure. Um, well, I think that the approach um, that I like to take, and I think that we take at the center is that the people who come through our doors know their bodies better than we do um, because they live with them every day and um, know what they need and what their lives need. Um, And I feel like I went to school and obtained a specific body of knowledge to then turn around and give information to people um, so that they can take what they know about their lives and about their bodies and use my information and my recommendations and suggestions to then kind of come up with a best fit answer for themselves. Um, So I guess I would say that I'm definitely not a provider who says, okay, given all this, this, and this, I think you need to do this. You know, I, I definitely will say, here are your options. Here are some suggestions. Um, what do you think about this? And I think for some people, they're kind of like, well, gosh, shouldn't you know? I mean, you're the you're the doctor. Well, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm a nurse practitioner, which is a lovely thing. But, um, you know, I, I think it is really important to hear what they think um, because their experience of what's going on for them is going to influence and inform the way that I help them come up with a plan. So you work closely with midwives. Um, Additionally, you've taught at the 
Birthwise Midwifery School in Bridgeton, and you have students that follow you here at Mabel Wadsworth Center and learn from you. How has the midwifery model of care influenced you? Um, Well, I've, uh, especially since moving to um, this area in New England, I've learned a lot about um, the home birth movement, and um, it's something that uh, has turned out to be a really important aspect um, in our personal lives. Um, And I really appreciate the way that uh, the midwife, the midwives, or the midwifery model um, just sits with people and takes time. And it's, I mean, not too dissimilar, I think, to the way that I want to approach healthcare. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center and Community Radio WERU. I'm Abby Strout. Joining me today is Lindsay Piper, Women's Health Nurse Practitioner, who we're getting to know as she will be answering Ask Mabel questions every other month starting today. If you want to listen to past episodes of Reproductive Left, you can find us on weru.org in the archives, at soundcloud.com slash Mabel Wadsworth, and on iTunes or through whatever podcast app you use. Many people only know Mabel Wadsworth Center as an abortion clinic. We're, we're well known for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is we provide prenatal care. You provide basic infertility treatment. You also provide hormone therapy for transgender people. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you to work for a clinic that provides a full spectrum of services? Um, on the one hand, I think it sort of tucks abortion in as a just a normal you know, this is part of gynecologic health care. This is just a thing that happens, and we're providing the full spectrum. Um, and so it, I, I wouldn't say it downplays it, but it sort of doesn't highlight it as, like, this big thing, you know, that I think a lot of people would try to make it out to be. And on the other hand, we do appreciate that for many people it is kind of a big thing, and so we treat it um, very gently and respectfully. And um, so I think... It's funny to think of it in both ways, you know, that it's that's it's just another run-of-the-mill gynecologic thing, but it's also sort of an important event in um, an individual's life. So um, I really like that we can hold both things at our clinic. And oftentimes people who've had a nice experience here who felt respected um, and treated like, again, like they're the person who knows what they're lives need and and what their bodies need, um, they'll come back and get prenatal care with us. Um, So that's really neat because I guess it just shows that they felt well treated here and really like this is a comfortable, safe space. Um, And I think if we're, you know, labeling ourselves and and identifying ourselves as a feminist health center, um, allowing for women to make different choices than other women are making or different people to make different choices about their bodies. Um, you know, we need to, we need to be there providing that to the community. Um, because I do think it's sort of a, I don't know, a necessity for feminism to hold all of these possibilities. So another service 
we just mentioned that you provide is hormone therapy for transgender people. Mm -hmm. Um, We are going to talk about this more in the Ask Mabel segment, your first Ask Mabel Mabel segment, which I'm (laughs) excited about. Um, Can you tell us why? So you really brought this service to Mabel Wadzer Center. Can you tell us why you decided to provide that service? Mm -hmm. Um, I actually don't remember exactly what... um, I knew it was something that I wanted to do, and I knew that um, this area needed. Um, It's been a little bit of a a funny transition for me to move from an urban setting in Boston where I felt like lots of moving and shaking was happening every way I turned. And then things are a little bit slower and quieter here in Maine, and and I do feel like um, maybe a little bit back in time, which I think is what's appealing to a lot of people um and on the other hand when you know i'm used to being in a community of people who oh yeah i'm just going to go down the street to the clinic and get my tea shots you know and know exactly where to go and that that was sort of a you know a conversation that was pretty typical at a dinner table um in my community and then to come somewhere come to a place where oh geez i have no idea where i would send somebody or even where the services are you know i'd have to send somebody to portland um i took an online um class about providing hormones and um this nurse practitioner and the midwife who were running the class said well you know you're trained to do this you're a women's health care nurse practitioner and you're you know you're the person in your area if you don't provide it who will and i said well okay yeah i mean who will you know if i don't so um given i guess the friendships that i've made within the queer community um, the people that i love and care about um, have influenced me just by being authentic to themselves you know it's sort of i feel like i need to do my part because I, like I said before, I went to school to study a particular body of knowledge, and I'm here to serve people with that knowledge. It's not mm-hmm. something that I need to kind of tuck away in a little box and hide from people and, and dole it out as I see fit. It's just this information that I have that I think I need to share. So why not, you know? If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center and Community Radio WERU. I'm Abby Strout. Joining me today is Lindsay Piper, Women's Health Nurse Practitioner, who we're getting to know as she will be answering Ask Mabel questions every other month starting today. If you want to listen to past episodes of Reproductive Left, you can find us on weru.org in the archives, at soundcloud.com slash Mabel Wadsworth, and on iTunes or through whatever podcast app you use. And the last question I'm going to ask before moving into the Ask Mabel segment is getting a little more personal, and I just am wondering... Um, how do you spend your time when you're not providing this amazing health care to the people in Maine? Oh, boy. Um, how do I spend my time? Well, I'm... Um, I. I would have to say I'm I'm a mother, so of two young children, so that's how I spend most of my time <laughs> is hanging out with those cool kids. Um, and I guess on off times when we're both not working, my wife and I and the girls play in our neighborhood together or we have friends over for dinner. Um, we have dreams of going hiking again on a regular basis <laughs> the way we did before we had children. Um So, yeah, we're pretty physically active. We like to play outdoors. I guess that's another reason why we moved to Maine. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you for being on Reproductive Left. And listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back with nurse practitioner Lindsay Piper in our Ask Mabel segment. Before we get to the Ask Mabel segment, where nurse practitioner Lindsay Piper will answer questions about what a transgender person can expect coming to Mabel's for hormone therapy, I'm going to provide you with some basic terminology used in the trans community that you will hear us using. As a reference for this segment, I use Cedar Clinic's Trans Toolkit. But before I get started, I do want to recognize that we don't have the time in this episode to provide all the terminology. So this is really just an entrance point to learning more about the trans community and that the terms used in the trans community are constantly changing and can be different depending on generations or geographic niches. Let's start with gender identity. There are three components to gender identity. There is natal sex, This is the gender assigned to a person at birth. Then there is identity. This is how we feel on the inside, what we know ourselves to be. And finally, there's expression, and this is how we present ourselves to the world. Sometimes all of those things are the same, and sometimes they are not. Gender identity is very different from sexual orientation. Gender identity is about who we are, how we feel inside, while sexual orientation is about who we are romantically or physically attracted to. Both gender identity and sexual orientation can be fluid and can change throughout one's lifetime. Now let's talk about the term trans, and that's trans with an asterisk. This is an umbrella term used for individuals who do not fully identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. This term includes people with non-binary identities. The term trans or transgender is also often used as an umbrella term, but it can specifically reference a person whose gender identity is binary and opposite to the one assigned at birth. And this is regardless of hormone or surgical status, meaning a person can be transgender without having any type of gender, reassignment surgery, or taking hormones. There are many ways a transgender person may identify, and I will list a few. People who were assigned male at birth and identify as female may use the term MTF, which stands for male to female. They may also identify as a trans woman or simply as a woman. People who are assigned female at birth and identify as male may use the term FTM, female to male. They may also identify as a trans man or simply as a man. A person may also have a non-binary gender. Non-binary gender is the concept that recognizes that gender exists outside of a male-female, masculine-feminine dichotomy. A person whose gender or gender expression does not fit in within the binary concept may identify as gender nonconforming, gender queer, or gender fluid. Cross-dressers and drag queens or kings may also identify as non-binary. 
The last term I will define for you is cis, C-I-S, or cisgender. This is an individual who comfortably identifies with the gender they were assigned at birth. So there is the brief overview of some of the terms you may hear us using. And now, here is the first ever and first of many Ask Mabels with Nurse Practitioner Lindsay Piper. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer or a topic that you'd like us to cover, you can find us online at www.mabelwadsworth.org or you can email me at educate at mabelwadsworth.org. A trans person is coming in for their first appointment planning to start home hormone therapy. What can they expect when they're first greeted at the front desk? Well, we um, will address people by the names that they've given us over the telephone. So if people are um, wanting to use their chosen name, that's the way that we create their chart. Um, so that's how we know them. Um, we give uh, these excellent, I think, pretty um, inclusive uh, intake forms so that people can identify themselves in the way that they want to, um, you know, uh, let us know which pronouns that they prefer. Um, and our front desk staff are knowledgeable and safe people um, to come in and, you know, be respected in that way. So I think from the very first, people can walk into our health center and know that they are going to be viewed as the person that they are presenting. Next, um, we'll be in the exam room. What can they expect from their first appointment as they enter the exam room? Uh, for a first appointment, um, people should rest assured that I don't actually do an exam. Um, I think the most invasive um, procedure that I do is your blood pressure, um, which is important. Um, it's mostly a, um, it's an opportunity for me to get to know the person, to kind of hear their story and hear what their goals um, are for getting treatment from me. Um, and, and that said, uh, and I, you know, just as an aside, not every trans person um, needs to have hormones. Um, and, and I totally get that and appreciate that. So people should feel like they can come here safely without having um, a sort of lingering pressure or expectation that somebody has to go through masculinizing or feminizing therapy. Um, still, that's oftentimes what people are seeking. So um, if we go back to that, um, I just want to hear what people's goals are, what they um, would like to get out of this therapy, answer any of their questions that they have about medications, about body changes. Um, and I would say, you know, most most folks are more well-informed than I am about it because they've been researching it for years. Um, so that's great um, that people sort of know what they want already. Um, and just kind of get a health history, make sure people are taking care of other aspects of their health. Um, and then, you know, we sort of get going with consent forms and um, do kind of a an overview of what they can expect if and when they start um, different hormone therapies. So there's this sort of uh, a thought, and, and I think um, it may even still be uh, recommended in the WPATH um, like the guidelines that people need to come with a letter, a quote unquote letter from a therapist or a, a psychologist. Um, 
and that's I don't require that. Um, I again take the feminist approach to you know thinking that people are probably a lot more well informed about their bodies and their needs than I am. Um, and that's not to say that if it seemed like somebody needed extra um, support from a social worker or a therapist, um, gosh, I'm all for people doing more self-care and making referrals that I think are appropriate. But by and large, most clients coming in seeking this, I, I don't require them to, you know, dress as a different gender for a year, or go get a letter, that kind of thing. Um, I feel like that's, I don't want to say totally passe, but maybe it might be. <laughs> And what can they expect for follow-up? Um, so I like to follow up with uh, clients who I've started on hormone therapy uh, about every three months for the first year, um, <clears throat> depending on which hormones people are taking. So if somebody's starting with um, testosterone injections, I'll see them back a few extra times within the first month to um, do an injection, to teach them how to do injections or a partner or somebody who's going to be doing it for them if if they don't um, give themselves injections. And then have um, people come back as frequently as they feel like they need to feel comfortable with that skill. Um, but generally every three months or so um, to check blood pressure, to see how people are feeling about their progress, how they're doing, you know, just in their lives, given um, some of the changes that they're experiencing. Um, and making sure that they're staying healthy, uh, checking labs, that kind of thing. Um, and then after that, about every six months, I would say, once once people are well-established. Great. Thanks, Lindsay, for answering the Ask Mabel's questions this week and or month and um, being here for Reproductive Left. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. If you have a question for Ask Mabel, please email educate at mabelwadsworth.org. And if you want to listen to past episodes of Reproductive Left, as I mentioned earlier, you can find us in the archives on weru.org. But you can also find us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash mabelwadsworth. And you can subscribe on iTunes or through whatever podcast app you use. Thanks again for listening to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by WERU and Mabel Wadsworth Center. I'm Abby Stroh, and please tune in next time, the first Tuesday of the month, at 4.30, right here at Community Radio, WERU, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, or online at WERU.org.